Welcome to Hot Topics in Kidney Health, brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation. Each episode, we highlight the latest in kidney research, bring you up-to-date news in kidney care, dispel myths, and answer your kidney health questions. Make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to help more people with kidney disease discover us. We really appreciate it. Now, on with the show. Is laughter really the best medicine? On today's episode, we'll discuss an exciting new coping strategy for dialysis patients called guided group laughing therapy. What is it and how does it help? Dr. Paul Bennett, who ran a study on the benefits of laughing therapy, and Kimberly Superharrigan, a dialysis patient, are here to break it down. So let's get started. My name is Marlena. I am a digital content manager here at NKF. So Kimberly, would you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name's Kimberly Harrigan. Um, a dialysis patient since 2017 in center, not able to get a transplant. So pretty much dialysis is where I'm at. Paul, would you like to introduce yourself as well? My name's Paul Bennett and um, I'm a professor in renal nursing at Griffith University, which is in sunny Queensland in Australia. And I'm talking to you from Australia right now. Importantly, I worked for Satellite Healthcare in USA. We were based in San Jose. We have about 100 clinics around the US. We're not as big as Fresenius and Vita, but uh, quite a moderate size uh, dialysis. And, but most importantly, I think I was a dialysis nurse for 15 years. I was a centre manager and, um, and uh, you know, that's sort of what got me into this sort of work was seeing how, you know, how sometimes people on dialysis were having issues coping. Yeah, it's definitely something I've heard from many dialysis patients. So thank you for doing this important work. Um, would you actually tell us about the coping strategy that we're here to talk about today? Many people have problems with anxiety and depression. Those with kidney failure who have to rock up to a dialysis clinic three times a week and have to sit there for four hours a day. Um, it's it's tough. And, um, and, and Kimberly knows how tough it is. The coping mechanism that, that we sort of developed was something that came together from a, a really weird meeting about 15 years ago, which was a meeting between um, a laughter therapist, a guy called Merv Neal, who's a sort of leader in the world of laughter therapy. And he's an Australian guy and also a fellow from a previous university called, uh, I'll just call him Bob, he's retired. Um, and he's, he was called the Professor of Happiness at our university. He's a psychologist, very well-known worldwide psychologist. And we got together and, and started talking about this. And we also had a person who was receiving dialysis at, at that time uh, in the meeting and talked about how could we do this group laughter in a dialysis clinic. And and that, the sort of uh, it developed there, we got a seating grant, we had some Australian dialysis clinics doing it. We had to worry, first of all, it was important that when we were doing this laughter and this exercise that uh, needles didn't fall out and, uh, and and catheters didn't go astray and so i, I was a bit worried about that stuff because no nurse or patient's going to want to have that have that so we did some pilots pilot work and then we did a, a large trial which i can talk about a bit later but it's really about um, what laughter does for you and that coping mechanism and of course, laughter, you know, increases dopamine, endorphins, oxytocin, serotonin, those sorts of happy hormones that improve your mood. 
That's great. Yeah, I think that makes sense why a lot of us love comedy. It makes us feel good. So Kimberly, would you just share a little bit about your kidney journey? You know, when were you first diagnosed and kind of what happened that led you here? Uh, 2011, I was first diagnosed. 2013, I had the fistula put in place, but I was able to keep myself off of dialysis until 2017. My previous life, I was a sociology and psychology teacher. So kind of goes to my thought process um, as far as how was I going to deal with this. The first dialysis treatment I went to, I cried. And the tech came over and said, you can't cry here. You can't be a baby, which made me cry more. So um, it was pretty miserable for the first three months. I was Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays first shift. My husband didn't drive, so I was his ride into work. So we were scrambling to figure how to get him into work, taking care of my mom who had Alzheimer's at the time, uh, figuring out how to take care of her and still go to treatment. So the first three months were rough. And then I switched clinics. And the second clinic I went to put me Monday, Wednesday, Friday, second shift. But that took me away from my mom for so much time during the day, it didn't work. Finally got first shift, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And one of the ladies in the waiting room said to me, hi, how are you? I had never talked to anyone at dialysis before. I said, okay. And she introduced herself and a few of the other patients to me. We started talking and we still get treatment together to this day. Uh, so that was six years ago. She had been there a year prior to me going there. We started talking in that small group. A uh, couple of the guys from the group passed away in that first year, which is difficult to deal with on its own. And uh, where I sit now, this group has been sitting together for five years and we know everything about each other. We're, we all have each other's phone numbers. We have, you know, rowdy, raucous, you know, raunchy conversations sometimes. It, it's just anything to keep us distracted while we're all getting hooked up. That first hour, we do nothing but laugh and it's fantastic. It's It's not something that is so dreaded anymore because I know I got my dialysis family there. Yeah, I can imagine just the difference in how you felt from that first clinic, which is cold, and now like having almost a second family. They are my new family at this point. Thank you for sharing that. So, Paul, could you kind of tell us a little bit about, you know, the effects laughter has on people who are in dialysis? It's a very under-researched very few um, funding organisations will give you money to laugh. <laughs> I just want to let you. So it's a it's a it's a huge stretch to try and get the evidence um, about laughter and effects on people in dialysis. But what we did is we tried as best possible to do a, a fairly rigorous study design. So we had five clinics who um, who did laughter. And I'll explain what the what the laughter is because it's hard to imagine. And in fact, if you don't do it, you don't really understand what it is because it sounds weird, right? It does. It sounds, and, I, and I thought these people in this laughter world are weird, right? And they are a little bit. You've got to be like that to, 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 to push laughter as much as some of them do, which is fantastic. You go to a conference with all of these laughter people and you're exhausted because you're so happy afterwards. Your stomach hurts. <laughs> 
right, exactly. So, uh, so what we did was we, we had five clinics or centres that were laughter therapy centres and we compared those with five who didn't. We did the same measures and we did all of the normal measures that we would normally do, like quality of life uh, and some of the other things. Uh, we also did um, anxiety and depression measures, which are really important, like I mentioned before. And um, we found that um, with doing the laughter, there was uh, um, people who had a, a potential for depression. Um, uh, they lost that. Uh, many of them lost it. In fact, statistically significant a number um, felt better and, and had less signs of depression than the control group, the group that didn't do laughter. So that was that was one of our, our major findings. We had some unusual findings as well in that, um, first of all, the fistula and the catheter really we didn't have any problems. Even though you're laughing and the catheter is sitting in your intrathoracic space, we actually uh, didn't have any pressure changes, the machine didn't go off. Um, and also we had this weird finding where we had decreased amount of blood pressure drops. So as Kimberly knows, one of the one of the um, major complications is intradilatic hypotension or blood pressure dropping. And if that doesn't get fixed up straight away, you're dead. Important. And we actually found um, a decrease uh, in, in intradilatic hypotension, which was unusual and we're not quite sure the mechanism. But we think something's going on with the, with the vessels, with these hormones that are being... And, and, but we, we can't cut Kimberly open and see what's happening. That's the problem. But we can take blood tests and we, we're doing, we're trying to um, do some research that sees really what's happening in, in Kimberly's blood at the time because sometimes things that are happening inside affect, affect you outside. My blood pressure actually goes up because I'm laughing. I have to tell everybody to shut up for a minute to let me stop laughing because it goes so high. It's, it's crazy. It is crazy. I absolutely understand what you're saying. It, it, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, and, and but what the great thing is is because you're doing this sort of physical workout, and even when you do you know heavy exercise, your actually blood pressure goes up. That, that's that's how your body works. If, you, if you're doing you know these power workouts, and so it's quite similar in physiological terms than a big uh, exercise workout. And and the great thing is is that although your blood pressure goes up during dialysis, long term it actually goes down. And many people who are, who have uh, kidney disease and who are on dialysis who have high blood pressure, um, but actually laughter has shown in other populations to to decrease uh, the laughter. So I think one of the really important things is um, as much as humour and sense of humour and the sense of humour of the techs and other patients and the nurses, so important in a dialysis clinic. I can walk into a dialysis clinic and know this is a happy dialysis clinic and I can walk into another one and know man this is just awful and so i think that's really important that um this is not about um having a happy unit because there are so many wonderful patients there's so many wonderful uh nurses and techs out there who just make kimberley's and people having to go through what kimberley goes through it makes their life so much nicer and so much better which kimberley's explained really well but this laughter thing it's it's like a full body workout so if you've got a fistula in one arm we can only use one arm so we'll do deep breathing and, and soothing out so there's this is where the laughter it's called laughter yoga sometimes and this is where the yoga type of things are. so it's sort of this deep breathing and in fact many people on dialysis have forgotten that that's how important deep breathing and getting the oxygen in your lungs is it's just 
there, you know? And, uh, and, and so often people work out, oh, that's actually making me feel good already. And we haven't even started the laughter. And so then we go into um, this weird trend. This is what puts some people off, is this weird thing where we go, ho, ho, ha, ha, ha. Ho, ho, ah, ha, ha. The reason we do this in between the exercises is to keep the movement, keep the breathing going, keep the exercise so it's not a stop-start thing. So it's a, a 30 minute or approximately 30, it can be 20, it can be 40, it doesn't really matter. Um, but approximately that time to give you a proper workout. And then we'll do start doing laughter exercises. And this is where the skill of the laughter therapist comes in and the laughter teacher comes in. And there's laughter teachers all around the world. There's um, there's laughter clubs all around the world. You Google laughter club Philadelphia, Kimberley, or laughter club New York, you'll find these people who meet in community halls or churches or uh, and, and they're there. It's weird. And there's this whole worldwide movement. And I didn't know about it before I started doing this stuff. It's fascinating. And this is these people who go to these meetings and, and just laugh for, for two days nonstop. And so then you do these laughter exercises and it doesn't really matter sort of some of the exercises, but you do them they're about five minutes each. You repeat them three times, and there are sort of some structure around these laughter. So, for example, you could do um, a, a Hawaiian laughter. Okay, Bet. stick with me on this one. All right, um, there you you will go, um, and you you so you go aloha, and so um, the leader is actually saying aloha, and you repeat aloha, and then you repeat aloha, <laughs> and you do that three times and although your brain knows that you're forcing this laughter it suddenly over a period of time if you do that two or three times it becomes natural and so you're laughing and then the person next to you is doing it and the person on the chair next to you is doing it and you're all laughing together and and, and then you just keep laughing and you know if someone has a very infectious laugh and often and often you have never heard the person next to you laugh like that. And, and that's the beauty of it. So it's the group thing is really important um, rather than doing an individual, although you can do it by yourself. But it's, and then it gets infectious and, and then the techs are laughing and the nurses are laughing and the relatives are laughing. And so, and, and so if you do that for 30 minutes and then you do the warm downs and the sort of deep breathing at the end, and we do stuff like sprinkle laughter dust and stuff like that, you know, or laughter lotion. We can put some laughter lotion on, you know. So there, there's all these things. And, and so you don't need to do the same thing. And you often, you'll need to put new laughter exercises because you don't want to do the same ones over and over again. And, and at the end, and I can tell you, and I've done quite a few. I'm not a laughter teacher, so I can't do it for you. I can just talk about it. And I can tell you that at the end of the laughter, you are, you're exhausted. It's like... It's, it's like a 30-minute run. Yeah. <laughs> You're exhausted. And um, so it's actually not just the laughter, it's the physical activity. And we and we often incorporate leg movements as well because you know how you can move your legs. Very few people have um, have a graft in your legs, so you can move your legs. So and, and so you're doing these leg exercises as well, so it's more an exercise. And that's how it got me because my research mainly was around exercise for people on dialysis because, you know, people really physically deteriorate when they're on dialysis. And, and remember, everyone has a different sense of humour. So what I laugh at, Jerry Seinfeld or Friends or whatever, you know, someone else may not laugh at. Um, and so that's a very, that's a very personal thing. Laughter is just laughter. And and the other thing is you don't need to be able to speak English. <laughs> so in California, we have you know um, the majority of people are either Hispanic or Asian or Filipino in our clinics. 
Um, and some of them, you know, they have, don't speak English at home. So, but then we explain a little bit, we translate a little bit what we're doing. So just so they know we're not crazy people and, and they start laughing and then they get into it. And similarly, we have some intellectually disabled people who, who, um, and some cognitively impaired people and some very old people who, and Kimberly's probably seen some very, very old people on dialysis who get wheeled in sometimes in beds or in chairs and they think, what's Stretchers. the life of that? When we, yeah, when we see these 90 year old people who are just sort of crumpled up sometimes and you think, what sort of life is that? Um, not that many, but there are still people who are on dialysis who want to stay on dialysis. We see them laughing. It's just gold. It's just gold. It's magic. It really is. It's it's heartwarming. It's if you can make someone just smile, it's a good day. I had a good treatment. You know, um, we've had a few people leave our shift because we were a little too much for them. But a lot of our texts are always like, you know, you guys are our favorite shift because you're the silliest, you know, but keep that to yourself, what you, I'm not telling everybody. But uh, yeah, they have more fun with us because we just and you start talking sports and, you know, especially during football season, it gets pretty if you're not a Phillies fan or an Eagles fan, you know, if you're from somewhere else, it gets a little, you know, but it's all in good fun. We all laugh. Um, uh, the, the only dangerous thing, there's a lady that sits next to me who's blind that um, every so often um, one of the techs will go over and tap her feet. And the other day she stood up while she was on the machine and we're all like, oh, sit back down. You're going to fall. You can't see because she was trying to swat at him. So, um, yeah, it's it is a everyone has their own sense of humor. And yeah, <laughs> I will say as a fellow Philadelphian, the Eagles thing, I very, very much understand. <laughs> we get married. <laughs> So we'd have a we'd have a eagles. You know how you do this fly thing. Yeah. You know you do your eagles flying thing. Even from Australia, I know that. Um, <laughs> we could do a laugh around that. You see, and we could do a laugh around your, you know, around a, 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 an American football laugh. You know, and you could be do a laughter um, at a quarterback, have the quarterback um, throw and 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 have a touchdown laugh or something like that. I hope I'm using the right language. You are <laughs> impressive. <laughs> I'm a Raiders fan, so I'm not very happy. <laughs> now, Kimberly, you've kind of touched on this a little, but could you just share how laughter and humor has helped you cope with dialysis? And if you've noticed any changes in your mental or physical well-being since you've started this, you know, little laughter group. Well, going through uh, forming this group, um, as I had mentioned, I was taking care of my mom with Alzheimer's. Um, in 2018, my dad had a hemorrhagic stroke. So then I was taking care of the two of them and a diabetic pug named Porky. Um, and uh, 2019, the pug died. 2020, my father died in April. Um, and in July, my mother died. Uh, and it was my husband and I just getting through all of that together. Um, it was 24 seven. We had baby cameras on them and my husband and I would be downstairs in the basement, just watching the two of them get up and wander around. And my husband would make silly voices and narrate what they're thinking. So we always laughed at home. So 
when I'd get to treatment, like I said, it was a reprieve from all of that madness. And then after my parents passed, kept that group together. And my husband got me involved with the NKF. He got me involved to be the patient representative at my dialysis center. I put cartoons up on the board in the waiting room. Like he just made me volunteer for everything possible. And then I suddenly lost him in January of 22, the first week. So the only family that I have now is my sister, my dialysis family, my in-laws. I have an aunt, cousin. They all live in Virginia and Wyoming, far away. So, um, But my sister-in-law lives in Jersey, so she's close. But my core group that I know I'm going to see every week is my dialysis family group. So it helped mentally because I feel like I can't give up because I have people that are relying on me and I've been on longer. So when we get a new patient, I go right up to them. I introduce myself. I tell them, if you need to know anything, I can tell you anything you need to know. I have my little board that I put little cartoons up and little information. I tell people what they can drink, what they can't drink. Um, If I do a lobby day, I bring candy in the waiting room, sugar-free, sugar-full, and, you know, diabetics, everybody's covered. Uh, So in doing that, it makes me feel better. And that helps me keep my spirits up and try to keep everyone else's spirits up around me. So. And I think that, um, yeah, Kimberly, that, that peer mentorship that you're talking about, that peer support is so important. And, um, if we had, um, 20 Kimberleys in every, in every dialysis center, that would be fantastic. But I think you're, you know, had the background where you have the confidence to do that and to know you're making a difference. Um, but many people don't, but they've still got a lot to offer. So some of the dialysis, um, providers I know have formal peer mentoring programs where more experienced dialysis people who like yourself um who got used to the place yeah yeah and it's and it's it's just a brilliant thing and even if you can do it informally or formally it it just makes someone who's starting off or someone who's a bit down it's just it's it's great and i know nkf are involved a lot in it um and satellite um healthcare do a lot of of work in that area just locally as well so uh, it's it's so important kimberly i'm glad you brought that up I love picturing, you know, someone maybe coming in, they're a little bit down, it's their first time, and you walking up with a big (laughs) smile and welcoming them to your new family and, you know, just making it a happier time and a place of community almost. I don't want anyone to go through what I went through at that first center. I, I, it was a travesty. I just don't want to see that. So if I see someone coming in that looks scared to death, even if I'm leaving from my shift and they're just coming in, I'll stay behind and sit with them and talk to them. And sometimes they'll have a family member with them, not so much since COVID, but they'll have a family member with them that has just as many questions and concerns and are scared, especially for the elderly patients. We have a a woman that just started that's close to 80 and her daughter was petrified. I mean, shaking and just taking that time to sit down and talk to them and let them know, you know, it's okay. We're going to keep an eye out for her. We're going to, she's part of the family now, you know, get their phone number, call me, text me if you need something. Such a scary place. 
at the beginning. It's hugely scary as you uh, so and as as dialysis professionals, we don't get that sometimes. You know, we forget because we're so busy and we're so uh, we're just trying to you know um, uh, safely care for everyone who comes in and out. And and there's some busy there's a lot of busy clinics around, and it's really hard. And we forget that side, and and we need to be reminded a lot. Um, but it's hard for Kimberly to remind us because we're seen as the workers and the experts and that sort of thing. And so, but but I think as Kimberly explained, is that there's still that we're all people in this whole thing. You know, we're all human beings, and and in fact, the family that she's talking about, you often see very close relationships developed with the staff and the and the patients. Um, of course, we've got to be careful about that in relation to our practice and. And legislation and, and rules but um, it doesn't mean we can't be friends and um, because we're people down down to earth we just happen to be the workers and Kimberly happens to have the kidney disease and we can learn so much from each other I really 99% of all of my learning now isn't from fancy professors fancy nephrologists fancy people with fancy names it's from people like Kimberly who teach me every day about what it's like and, and how I can potentially help others as well Thank you. So, Paul, I was wondering if there's anything else that you wanted to share from your research about laughing and dialysis centers. Yeah, I mean, we haven't got four hours, but um, you can't shut me up sometimes. It's, my, it's one of my favorite things. It's like it's, it's the best thing to do because, yeah, actually it's research, but you're just having a great time. So I think what's really important is laughter therapy is just one tool, okay? Not everyone... It's not for everyone. Um, we've, we've sort of found out that about a quarter of people don't really like it, and that's okay. They can sit with their headphones on in the dialysis clinic. But what they've told us, a couple of people who don't like it, they said, Paul, we don't like this. It's not for us. It's weird, and I don't like forcing myself to laugh. But I hear Joe in the corner laughing, and he hasn't laughed for you know 15 years. And what you're doing is really good, even though it's not for them. We... I think that's important. And the other important aspect is that laughter um, is just one tool. It's just one thing. And you can't do it forever. It's like an NFL season. It's like a football season. You do it for three or four months, you have a break, and then you can do it again. And, and you get excited about it again. So you're not going to do laughter all of, all of the time. And I think they're important. And But it's one of the tools like meditation or just the breathing or physical activity. And it depends what what's in it it's what kimberly loves to do or what someone else likes to do so we, we don't force this on anyone we just say well here's another skill and yes people have taken it home uh, and laugh themselves i use it weirdly um I'm, I'm scared of heights right and i don't like driving over bridges which is a combination of heights and something else uh, and in san francisco there's a lot of bridges <laughs> So instead of me going the whole way around the bay so I don't go over a bridge, I laugh. So I start myself with a laughter thing. It's like a meditation thing as I'm driving over the bridge. So I'm laughing across the bay bridge or the Golden Gate Bridge or whatever. And so and so that's sort of, you know, that's that's the way I look at it. And other people have told me that's the that's the way they've used it as well. Um, you know, music, aromatherapy, there's all sorts of uh, other things that that whatever people can help them through. Their lifestyle. Not everyone's social like Kimberly and myself. You know, some people they keep to themselves, and that's fine. And they'll they'll, they'll cope with it differently. But I think that's that's really important. I think one other learning is that um, the laughter therapists who they 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 go through a proper training as a you may not believe this, but there's a laughter university. Okay, 
and you can get a, a degree from a lot from a lot <laughs> university. It's uh, I, it's online, but it's based out of uh, based out of um, Los Angeles. So if if anyone is interested, you know, that's the, I'd say that's the first place I'd go to is the Laughter University, and, and and you can learn techniques online. You can do a course. Um, so I think it's 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 really important to know too that not every laughter therapist is the same. So when we were doing our big study, um, we found that one there was one laughter therapist who just couldn't cope with the dialysis unit chemo. They just they couldn't cope with it. Uh, you know, when laughter therapy happens, it's mostly people who are positive like yourself who come to a laughter club. So they want something. It's, but when we're doing it in a dialysis clinic, it's or it's not forced, but it's sort of, you know, where you're there, if you can't move. Yeah, you're captive well, audience. I better, I better join in. I better join in. And some laughter therapists don't get that. So we know that we need the right laughter therapists who understand. And most of them are unbelievable people. Like I said, we just, I met some incredible laughter therapists in the Bay Area. Um, it was just, it was just amazing. Um, so, so they're the sorts of things you learn. You, you can't just walk in to a dialysis clinic and be a laugh therapist and start laughing. These guys actually go around to each patient saying, this is what we're going to do. Okay, next dialysis you come in, I'm going to be standing out the front and we're going to be doing these exercises. And this is why we're doing it. So you, you have to develop a relationship with your patients. You have to develop some rapport. Um, otherwise, they think you're a crazy mental person. And that's fine. And that's fine. I'm not using, I know I'm not using the right terminology there, but you know what I mean. Um, because you're standing up there doing something that you've never seen before. So I think that's 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 really vital. And the fact that it's a physical and a mental health workout and the combination of the two is just gold. We know we can't we can't dissociate. We have to combine physical and the mental in everything that we do because it's just goes with it. So having a physical and a mental thing. And I think the greatest thing about this is that not everyone likes exercise. However, most people like to laugh. And so if you're doing a physical exercise while you're laughing, you don't actually realize you're doing a workout. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. Until laughter and your sides hurt and you can't breathe. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my stomach hurts after a good laugh session. It does. It, 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 I feel tired. And I think moving the legs is great. I'm sure it cuts down on the leg cramping for the patients as well. I mean, that's another added benefit. Yeah. And we haven't done that study because we didn't really look at that. But any movement, anything that you can do, any movement while you're in the chair is, is great. I think. I think so too. As long as your needle, as long as your needles don't fall out. As long as you're careful. <laughs> so, Kimberly, you've you've kind of inadvertently shared a lot of great advice with our listeners, but I was wondering if there's anything else specifically that you wanted to share, you know, for people who are on dialysis and maybe need a little pick me up. I'd say be open to talking to the person in the chair next to you or having a conversation in the waiting room, that one act of that one woman introducing herself to me and to the other patients just snowballed uh, to this day. Since my husband passed, she calls and makes sure I get up in the morning to go to treatment. She'll call me and leave the message. Hello, little one. It's time to get up and go to dialysis. And I look forward to her calling and telling me that. Um, so just getting to know some, even their names, just so that you can say, you know, hi, Paul, hi, Marlena, hi, Kent, you know, just knowing someone's name, giving them a smile, um, and just try to be thoughtful of the person that's sitting next to you. Try to understand maybe what they're going through is the same as what you're going through. Maybe it's worse. Maybe it's better, but 
try talking to each other. You're both sitting there for four hours. So there's a lot of time to talk and not much on TV at six o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> you better be able to carry a conversation on. Um, yeah, that's the best advice I can give. Just even if it's just one person, one friend. Um, we've got like a call chain with, you know, 20 people that all have each other's numbers. Um, we know when someone's in the hospital and texts will go out between everybody, you know, well, when are they coming back? When is the surgery? We try to keep up, uh, keep up checking in on each other. You see the chair empty once, you see the chair empty twice by that third time, you know, it's devastating, but having that connection, knowing that you touch that person's life means a hell of a lot. Uh, we had an old guy um, that told our social worker, the only reason he comes to dialysis still is because I give him a big hug every time I'm leaving and he's coming in. He just passed away. But knowing that I was the reason why he came, fabulous feeling. Oh, that's so beautiful. Just knowing that you've touched someone's lives and they've touched yours and just, I can imagine it helps you feel less alone. It does. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So Paul, um, one last question. Is there a way that you translate these findings um, into advice for people on dialysis? Yeah. So we've got, um, we've got uh, these fact sheets for both patients and, um, and uh, and staff because it's important that and for and for um, uh, for laugh therapists as well. So um, so we have these and they're they're available from Satellite Healthcare. They're online and there's videos. Um, so if if you think this all sounds a bit weird, you if you Google laughter YouTube dialysis satellite, you'll get it. And uh, and then you'll see Merv or other dialysis. Um, uh, Tina, who was one we had in Vallejo in the Bay Area, uh, you'll see these guys um, doing their thing and talking about it. And you'll see patients talking about it too, because you can't believe me. You, you've got to believe uh, the person who's actually done it while they're on dialysis. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I, I remember one one um, lovely guy and he, he's saying, you know, today it's laughter day and I know I'm going to have a good time. No. It's laughter day. It's fr Fridays was laughter day. And, um, and, and look, look, you know, like I said, a lot of clinics do a lot of different wonderful things, you know, have these foyer days and have um, diet days, all, all sorts of wonderful things and to make people's lives a little bit bearable. And it's just extraordinary some of the work that some of the patients and some of the staff do. And like I said, we're all in it together. And, um, you know, the, some of the nurses are, and techs are pretty grumpy sometimes because they've, you know, they get up at ridiculous, they get up at four o'clock in the morning and the openers get up ridiculous time in the morning. And uh, if I've got a, if I've got up at three thirty or four o'clock, I'm not going to be that happy at one o'clock in the afternoon. So I might need a bit of a pick up as well. So, um, so there are fact sheets. There's videos around um, if you really want to. And I suppose my last thing is that my last advice is that yes, there are laughter clubs everywhere. And if you're in the renal world, in the kidney world, and you want to um, find one, you just Google one in your own place. And and people who are amazing people, a little bit like Kimberly, um, uh, and willing to, um, to do that, um, you know, and then you can have a discussion with often your centre manager or your nephrologist and say, well, we're going to do a bit of group laughter here and, um, and see how it goes. And, and um, you know, I get emails from Brazil, from South Africa, mm -hmm. from Europe, saying we saw your 
uh, you know, we saw you, you choose, we've got it happening here. Uh, we're not measuring, we're not doing a, we're not doing any sort of, any sort of study. We're just enjoying a bit of community. And it's, it's, it's one of the also thing, which is really hard to measure is the community, the, the, the new relationships you get when you see your techs and your nurses and your other patients laughing and, and, um, and, and people just walk past each other and they go, ha, 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 and, you know, <laughs> and you just start laughing. And, uh, and it's just, it's, it's a, it's a really nice thing. Oh, that's beautiful. I hope that this conversation encourages everyone to go out and at least give laughter therapy a try. Um, and as we close out, just to both of you, is there any last bits of advice or anything else you'd like to share with us? I'm thankful uh, to Paul for telling us about the, the laughter YouTube dialysis. I, I am as soon as I get off, I'm going to go on and look it up because I think it's one. I'm always looking for resources for the cork board, you know, something funny to put up there. So um, or even just to tell the other patients about, hey, why don't you guys look at this? Maybe I can get Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday people laughing, too, you know, so. Yeah. Thank you, Paul, for that info. Uh, it, it, it was it was very joyful. I'm actually thankful to Satellite because they took a risk on doing this. And um, and anyone who I've worked with who, who comes along for the ride. Um, and I, I, I just uh, want to enjoy the journey. And, and uh, the reason why we're here is for people uh, to learn from people like you, Kimberly, and, and to help us uh, you know, improve the, what we do. Thank you. Thank you both so much. This conversation definitely put a smile on my face and I, I hope to hear more about laughter therapy in the future. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening. Do you have any questions? Email us directly with your comments and suggestions at nkfpodcasts at kidney.org. We hope you will join us next time. And from all of us at NKF, we wish you good health.